Bloomberg, um, the organisation, has um, put together the biggest database of COVID-19 vaccines, and they've come up with a calculation around, you know, the unseen events that could bolster or hinder the path towards, um, you know, getting back to what it was like before the pandemic. And they have calculated that for the world, globally, it's going to take about seven years to get back to normal. And hopefully it's not going to be as bad as that. But we thought we'd have a bit of a chat with that and other issues around the pandemic and the vaccines and getting on top of it with uh, Otago University epidemiologist Michael Baker, who joins me this afternoon. G'day, Michael. Yeah, kia ora. So, seven years before the world gets back to normal, what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, well, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. What <laughs> um, one thing is, of course, what um, what we even mean by normal, because many of us have looked at where the world was actually going prior to the pandemic, and we know that we are basically heading off a cliff in the medium term anyway because of sustainability issues. So many of us think, actually, this is a great time to think, what would the new normal look like? And we like to think maybe it's a big reset. Maybe we have really had a a chance, maybe our last chance, to evaluate what's really important to us. And I think we've seen some very positive signs in Aotearoa about what that reset could look like. I know this is a much wider issue than Mm. you're focusing on, but I just think that... um, where we're heading, actually, this is a chance to really reassess, I think, in, in many areas, what, what we want this new world to look like. Well, I'll be honest with you. As I was saying, when are we going to get back to normal, I, I thought to myself, maybe I should have been asking you what the new normal will look like. So you've you got ahead of me on that <laughs> one anyway. But, I mean, will, right. what will it look like? Well, and will there be, you know, in, in terms of global issues and countries that are poor and the haves and the have-nots, a lot of the time there have been stories about around hunger and child poverty, but are we going to see a different uh, division between countries being those who've sort of got that herd immunity and the vaccinations underway and those who are still waiting? Yeah, look, I think that's a really critical question and people are talking about, you know, equity issues are even more, um, uh, you know, in front of us than usual because we have this the tool, new tools coming out with vaccines that we know can protect populations. And and really, I think um, there already we're seeing some countries like Israel with getting quite high coverage. So, um, and there's a bit of vaccine nationalism coming in. And many countries have ordered many times more doses of vaccine than their entire population. So we know already, you, you know, the some countries are right at the front of the queue. And, and to some extent, that was inevitable, but we have to sort of fight against that as well. Yeah, the EU. Where, where are we at with the EU's sort of protectionist stance on you know, banning the export of, of medications? Because that's very troubling, isn't it? Yeah, I think that seems to be a, a moving um, operation at the moment. It's a bit hard to know exactly where that's got to. But there, there aren't that many absolutes with all of this. I mean, the fantastic news is, and this has really amazed me, I mean, there were a few things. A lot of last year, once the pandemic got started, it kind of rolled out with a, a you know horrible predictability in many countries, but the good news, of course, was the astounding speed of vaccine development, mm. and particularly this whole new class of vaccines, the messenger RNA vaccines, which basically are very new, they're extremely effective, and they're very safe. That's what we're learning, and in fact, all the vaccines so far in production appear to be very effective. 
I mean, they look a little bit different in terms of percentage, but actually they, can all, they all seem to be very good at stopping people getting serious disease and dying. So it's a big tick there, and they seem to be very safe. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I think the Bloomberg paper was a bit pessimistic about, it didn't really factor in the massive upscaling that's occurring with production all around the world. And of course, once you have these technologies, uh, they can be licensed to other countries to start producing them in really huge quantities. And that is starting to happen. So what is, um, what, what's going to be the factor that we consider when it comes to us engaging with other com- countries and opening our borders? Are we going to be doing it selectively? Is that traffic light system that we, everyone was talking about last week, is that something that actually has some merit? Yeah, I think um, you know the, the idea of um, traffic lights is it's just saying that we need a risk-based system at the border, and already the world is splitting really into um, two major groups of countries. There's um, about a quarter of the world's population is now largely protected with an elimination approach, just like New Zealand. I mean, obviously, numerically, it's mainly mainland China, but also quite a few countries in Asia, Australia and New Zealand, where our goal is zero COVID in the community, and it's working very well, yeah. it seems sustainable, um, it's good for economies and so on. So we can gradually open up um, into those countries with eventually quarantine-free travel. Yeah. The, the problem, of course, is connecting with the rest of the world and what we'll see is amongst certainly the high-income countries that are going for high coverage, by, I would say, later this year, we would see the pandemic very well controlled in UK, much of Europe and much of North America. Yeah. And for travel, we may even see that the, the airlines introduce a requirement for vaccination to travel. The vaccination passports. Um, I, I, I guess the question yeah. is, is it more important to us that we are vaccinated or is it more important that, the, that those we engage with are, in vac- are vaccinated? Yeah, look, it's a, a very good question. I think it will be a mixture of both. But um, uh, we, we could see, um, uh, I don't know exactly how, I mean, it's really hard to predict exactly how this will roll out because there are certain features of the vaccines we're not sure about yet. But assuming the vaccines do stop you transmitting the virus, which I think is likely, we might say, look, you know, for example, New Zealand will accept um, arrivals who have a valid vaccination status. Yeah, um, that's one one scenario. Yeah, uh, just quickly, um, you, you're surprised to see that Sputnik, the Russian one that we were so sort of scornful of because of the lack of transparency, but that looks like it's actually the Russians have got quite a good vaccine there. What do you know? Yeah, look, the, the interesting thing is all the vaccines so far developed uh, seem to be effective at preventing serious disease yeah. and seem to be safe. So, uh, they're, you know, by the time they actually do start um, moving through phase three trials and rolling out the vaccines, they've always been given to tens of thousands of people at that stage. So this, we're starting to build up quite a bit of knowledge about them. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Michael. Oh, you're welcome. Really appreciate it.